The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You could th- think of us as the paint a mustache on the Mona Lisa and the ride a Harley through the heart of danger of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and still to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who never runs from the masqueraders. Josh, how are you doing this fine evening? Uh, hold on, I got confused by your song thing because I feel like I, know, I, I should know who this is. As I was saying it, so for you to Google it. Okay, I know who it is. All right, I knew it sounded so familiar. <laughs> I'm good. I'm sore. Uh, I'm feeling old, but I'm good. <laughs> well, do you do you care to explain any of those comments? <laughs> um, yeah, my wife surprised me yesterday for early. Uh, 40th birthday party and um, she brought me to uh, a new place. I thought I talked about Boda Borg on here before, which is uh, a, I don't know how to describe it, adventure escape room type place. Mm-hmm. This, this place was called Level 99 and it was also very similarly themed. Um, I, I posted on my Instagram if people want to see um, at baloney underscore borboni, um, where it was a lot. There's also a brewery in there, a local brewery. So that adds to the uh, dehydration. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all, you know, a lot of it's physical challenge, um, escape rooms and stuff, and uh, and mental and stuff. So I got a really nasty bruise on my elbow you probably can't see it yeah no i can't see that that is a pretty good bruise (laughs) i watched my wife fall off of a zip line and land on the side her side onto like a pad of like a sharp edge pad i thought she was out for the count but she got right back up she was a trooper uh we had a few other people get some like mild injuries of course she signed waivers so you can't be like hey your game broke me (laughs) uh but it was a lot of fun but we were there for four hours uh, it was funny because we got there and we were eating and drinking and not realizing when we went to go in, they were like, there's a two and a half hour wait to get in. And we're like, oh, well, it's a good thing they just put a Dave and Buster's next door. So <laughs> we're just going to go there for two hours. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, woke up this morning. Everyone's texting each other about how tired and sore they are. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm glad that fun was had by all. I will say the... Uh... Your your story on Instagram, it does look really fun. It looks like you were having a very yeah, good time about the things that were happening there. <laughs> now, the important question, though, being, do they have 99 levels? <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> what? <laughs> they False don't. advertising. False <laughs> advertising. Well, it's called level 99, not 99 levels. So I guess you start on, that, on the 99th <laughs> level. I guess that could be true. Dang it. <laughs> Loopholes. 
all over the place. Uh, it is cool though. You you have a wristband that has like a RFID chip on it. You tap these, tap it onto these uh, doors to these rooms, mm-hmm. once you have touch screens on them. Um, and you, when you buy your thing, you start with a certain amount of quote like crystals, and it costs crystals to get into rooms. And also depends on the level that you are. And the more you level up, maybe level ninety nine is the cap on your level. Oh, okay. as you level up, you can change your avatar um, and things like that, like small things. But you can also win puzzle pieces that, when combined, you can get like free food or t shirts and stuff from it too. If you do these rooms in like certain amounts of times and stuff like that, were you victorious and and winning any of those things? No, I got like one puzzle piece. Like there, those ones are very hard to come across. But we did succeed in a lot of the rooms, but some of them are very challenging physically, well, I mean, mostly. I guess we'd rather have it be challenging than easy, though, right? Oh yeah, for sure. It was a lot of fun. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say any room we went into was easy, which is a little frustrating <laughs> uh, you're like well, give me one softball please <laughs> yeah I, think I like the softballs i guess i consider them medium difficulty <laughs> gotcha well that sounds like a lot of fun yeah it's great if you're in uh the area of framingham massachusetts uh go to the natick mall <laughs> and go to level 99 I'm I'm surprised to hear you say go to the mall because we don't really. I mean, we have malls, but we don't really have malls anymore. Uh, I was I thought it was weird. It was in a mall. I didn't. I I had heard about it. This was a complete surprise to me. So I didn't even know where we were going when we left the house. But mm-hmm. um, I knew that it had come up in conversation in the past. And yeah, to see it in the mall and in next to a Dave and Buster's, which we. I didn't even know it was there. We've only had one that I knew of, and it's all out in Rhode Island. So to have one now that's, for me, 25 minutes away from my house is pretty nice. Yeah, that is nice. We have two quote-unquote malls that are close to me. And I think in one of them, maybe half the storefronts actually have stores. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, this is a yeah. big mall. Yeah. Do you guys and have Wegmans the other... out there? No. Uh, this I, has I've a heard two. This has a two-floor Wegmans in it as well. Okay, and we. I mean, there are malls around, but they are that are big and expansive with lots of stores. But they are quite the drive for yeah. me. Like, there's nothing close. Like, both of our malls here are are pretty sad. They're they're in a rough state right now. I, uh, I think the one is going to stay in business only because the DMV is in it. <laughs> so you know like, come get your license and buy a t-shirt yeah and uh so yeah and the other one has it, we used to say it was gonna stay open because that's a movie theater in it but for a while there you're like well maybe that doesn't matter anymore <laughs> but know, right? so yeah it's it's very sad um to give you an idea though about how often i go to these malls um are you familiar with old chicago no Okay, so there's a restaurant chain called Little Chicago. Okay. Um, and someone I was working with like two weeks ago made the comment about, oh, yeah, you know, and they're, how there used to be. A, they're like, well, yeah, you know, it's in the place where that used to be the Old Chicago. And I go, wait, what do you what do you mean used to be? And like, yeah, Old Chicago isn't in the mall anymore. I was like, oh, really? They're like, yeah, it hasn't been for like two years. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Which tells you how often, A, I went to Old Chicago, but B... <laughs> When the last time I was at the mall was because, yeah, yeah you know, no big deal there. So, <laughs> all right, Josh. So, hey, uh, the sanctity of dreams. This was yes. this was not one that came to mind right away. I don't know. Is that is that an album title? 
Okay, uh, uh, that is the song title. The song title. No, I didn't. I mean, I'm not really good with song titles in general, I would say. So I guess that's not surprising to me. Yeah, this is a bit of a deeper cut of Live's catalog. This, yeah. is not, this was not a radio song as far as I can recall. Uh, but it is a song I do enjoy, though, very much. So are you a Live fan? Yeah, I love. I loved Live. I, I haven't listened to them in a long time, but I used to fall asleep to Throw in Copper. Like, literally, when I was younger i would put the album on and just go to sleep yeah obviously throwing copper definitely their best known album i think my favorite album of theirs though is the distance to hear yeah i you know i would have to i really should just revisit them because it's been i just have a vivid memory of getting as the cd that was red a red jewel case for throwing copper Oh, yes. And it yes, was like yes. a big deal back then with like colored jewel cases and stuff. Uh, For sure. That's a, that's, Man, I, I haven't thought about that in a long time. But now yeah. that you say that, I do remember that. That's the first thing that's popping into my head whenever I think of them. But um, I have to look at the. Oh, okay. Now I recognize the cover for The Distance to Here. Yeah, that's a great album, too. I really like that yeah. album. It was very good. And, you know, after that, things kind of went. The one thing I do like about Live, and Live is probably my second favorite band, so I, I definitely really, really enjoy them. Um, they really have no issues with just doing different stuff. Oh, yeah. You but know, that, like that, they, re- they didn't do different stuff until 2000, though, right? Like, I feel like most of their stuff is similar, no? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think Secret Samadhi, which came out the album after I'm looking at right now, before yeah. <laughs> Distance Here, like I think that album is pretty different uh, in, in compared to some other things. Like if you think of like um, Lakini's Juice and just like the big songs that were on that album, like As Head Goes West and like, Turn yeah. My Head, Hero Psycho Dreamer, like they are not, they didn't really play it safe. I didn't feel like they didn't like be like, hey, how can we just, you know, duplicate the success of throwing copper and like what is our lightning crashes again you know right. like they really didn't just do that i don't feel like um but they did you're right after the distance to here when they went with um v or five depending on who you talk to song from a black mountain birds of prey like all of that like later stuff yeah. definitely was kind of meandering all over the place as far as their things went so i opened my spotify and this is what's on the cover of my on my most recently <laughs> played <laughs> yeah <laughs> bing bong zoo <laughs> like great this is my life <laughs> uh just a nonsense song with nonsense words i don't know that i have uh oh yeah listen ever... to bing bong zoo you'll love it oh <laughs> uh, maybe i'll have to check it out maybe i'll have to check out some bing bong zoo so oh man well, and the thing that's interesting is that when you look up live, like on Spotify, um, their album they did with Christian as the lead vocalist isn't on there. Really? Yeah, because they had the time where they had the little fallout and Ed Qualchick left the band and then he toured solo and then they brought in Christian to be the lead singer. And I think the album they did with him was called The Turn, if I recall. And it would have been early to mid 2000s uh, or early to mid 2010s, like 2013 time ish. Yeah, uh, it was a pretty good album, actually. Like, I, th- I didn't think it was too bad at all. Um, and it just I don't I haven't really tried to look for it lately. But like when you look under lives set of music on Spotify, it's not there at all. So 
I guess they just want to not acknowledge that that time happened, apparently. <laughs> but I didn't think it was that bad of an album. I thought it was pretty good. So, so if you can, you can go find um, con- live live concerts with Christian doing the vocals for like all like the Throwing Copper albums and like all that stuff. It's pretty interesting to listen to. It is different for sure. But anyway, enough about the band live. I could talk about them a whole <laughs> bunch. Let's move on to our show and talk about games. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. Uh, as always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We are a proud part of Plays and Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are absolutely thrilled with the support you give us each month there. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can just find us at patreon.com slash PSVG, just like some of our producers have, like Michael Masick, Edwin Callow, Stephen Keller, Nick Creature, Ben Moxham, Nick Fallhaber, Paul Calico, Devin Tyus, Josh Barboni, RJ Kern, Zach Adams, Joe Wilson, and of course, Horse Girl 69. But of course, the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games, I would like to dive deeper into that world. We encourage you to check out the Dice Tower podcast, as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. So with that, Josh, what is your first topic for us this week? Well, last week, the Dice Tower was busy on YouTube. Busy. Busy. They even had a giant... I almost covered it this week. I probably should have. They had a giant... um, hour and a half long episode with just all reveals, new board game reveals from a bunch of different companies. Uh, Things from like a new Unmatched to uh, Digital Unmatched to to other things. (laughs) Just (laughs) jumping the gun a little bit. Um, Queen, the Queen's Gambit, which looks really interesting and expanding on the King's Gambit. A dilemma, sorry, not the Queen's Gambit. That's a different game. The King's Dilemma game, yep. sequel, the Queen's Dilemma, um, yes. which looks really cool. Makes it actually makes me want to hold off on getting the King's Dilemma now and just wait for the Queen's Dilemma really? because they're just they're just making everything about King's Dilemma better. They're adding a map, how you influence oh, the board man. more, how your decisions affect things better, things like that. It's basically like version two point yeah, and the King's Dilemma was a game I really, really wanted to play, but I wanted to have a like regular solid yeah. group to play it with. Yeah, and I just don't have that. And obviously, with the pandemic and things, couldn't. But now, maybe I will just wait as well. Or if the price drops, if the price is right, I'll grab it. No, regardless, right? If it right, comes down to sure, fifty sure. bucks, I'll grab it. But uh, um, yeah, I watched a whole group play, you know, on YouTube through the whole thing, and it looked like a lot of fun. So. Uh, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the the rounding off of the Dice Tower Week, which was the Dice Tower Awards and the Dice Tower Award winners. So I'm going to go down to the bottom. I'm not going to start with Game of the Year. Um, but what I am going to do, uh, we have time, so I'm just going to go through the categories and the nominees and say the winner. And, Let's do it. And then we'll talk about... Uh, these games. So, uh, for most innovative game, the nominees were The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine, Forgotten Waters, uh, Ma- Micro Macro, Crime City, The Search for Planet X, and Whistle Mountain. Uh, and the winner was The Crew, uh, The Quest for Planet Nine, a game that we've talked about before. It's a Cosmos game, and I found out it's Cosmos because they talked about it. Someone mentioned him on the 
stream. I thought it was Cosmos the whole time. I've always thought it was Cosmos. I, didn't, yeah, I guess I didn't realize that either. Uh, and maybe Look that's an posers. accent thing. <laughs> Look at us posers, Josh. Um, although I didn't contact them to find out. I just, I guess, went off of an industry person. They could have said it wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> it's not our fault. I would say I'm surprised. I thought Forgotten Waters was going to win based off of how popular it has been. Um, since it's released. However, the crew has been like notoriously popular. Yeah, I, I think if there's anything I have learned by these awards, not to spoil anything as we move forward, is that uh, maybe I should move the crew up. I think I need to get it as well, yeah. Um, yeah. I, ke- I kept looking at it, and uh, yes, definitely need to get it. Okay, so they actually, I love this category, and this is called Excellence in Rules Teaching. Um, oh, what happened here? Oh, there's only one nominee, <laughs> and it's <laughs> the one that won. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and that's Gloomhaven, uh, Jaws of the Lion. In fact, um, I haven't watched this yet, but yesterday or today, Jamie Stegmeyer also posted a video talking about how much he loved his first playthrough of the tutorial for this game. And he said it's like the first time he's been inspired to do what he did uh, video-wise, which I haven't watched yet, so I can't really speak to what he says, but um basically what he's learned from this game so do you know josh was this something a category they added just because this game had done it so well or was this a category they had like they decided they wanted to create this year and this just so happened to be the only game they felt fit you know what i'm saying like which came first let me see if i can find let me look at last year's and i'll see if there's excellence in um rules or whatever uh, strategy, solo, reprint, party. This was definitely created for this game. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is cool. I think that means that someone was like, this is so good, it deserves a category. Right. I also think that that's a great category, excellence in rules teaching. That's a rewarding people is. for good rule books. I think maybe... I just assumed it was going to be a picture of Rodney Smith. I know, right? It's just him doing everything. <laughs> or at least have him present it. <laughs> okay, this is also a nice twist. Instead of gateway game, this is called Best Welcoming Game Nominees. Oh, nice. Which I like. So the nominees are Calico, The Isle of Cats, My City, Scooby-Doo Escape from the Haunted Mansion, and Trekking the World. Uh, and the winner was The Isle of Cats, a game I have and have played and do enjoy. Uh, I don't have, I have Calico, but I haven't played it yet. Any thoughts? You can just interrupt uh, me with thoughts. I, my, uh, on this list, My City is the game I still want to play the most mm-hmm. of all of them. I considered b- backing Isle of Cats on Kickstarter because they were doing kind of like the expansion, second edition type deal yeah. stuff. Uh, and just at the price, because, you know, me being me, I was like, oh, I got to go all in if I'm going to do this. I just couldn't quite justify the price. Not that I think it's bad. I just was not excited enough about the game or interested enough in the game to justify spending that much on it. But yeah, I, clearly people love this game. Uh, it definitely is getting a lot of positive buzz. People really talk about it in very positive terms. So awesome. But my city on this list is still the one that I am most drawn to and most want to play. Nice. Okay. I pulled something up because I wanted to look at this, but I'll go back to that later. All right. The next category is best two-player game. The nominees were 
Cosmic Encounter Duel, Curious Cargo, The Fox in the Forest Duet, Imperial Struggle, and Undaunted North America. North Africa. <laughs> That's a big difference. Uh, and the winner was Undaunted North Africa um, by Osprey Games. Uh, you know, I think um, Odin's Ravens is Osprey Games, if I'm not mistaken, which is a two-player game I really enjoy. But when I see Osprey Games, I know they do war games. Right. So I know I have seen this before, but I just never really uh, looked at it because the front looks like a war game. Um. Yeah, it's a war game. I just pulled up the video to see what it looked like. Because I was like, yeah. oh, maybe it's more like Odin's Ravens. No, it is a war game, but I believe it's actually like a deck building war game. Yeah, it, it looks, it does look interesting. Maybe I'll have to check this one out. Um, that being said, uh, I haven't, I have Fox and Forest to but we haven't played it yet. And I want to try a Cosmic Encounter Duel, but I really don't know anything about the games, other games, so... It just might not have been a year for me for two-player games. <laughs> yeah, Undaunted North Africa is something I am interested in. I just don't know that my partner would want to play it. Yeah. Because thematically, just not something she's into in general. So I think it'd be hard to get it played. And as a result, I've just never picked it up. But it looks really cool. And like I said, that war game slash deck builder, I think, is a interesting uh, mix of things that we don't see all that often. So... Definitely unique, definitely cool. I've heard per- super positive things about it. Just not sure I will ever play it. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, the next one up is Best Theming. Uh, and the nominees were Dune Imperium, Forgotten Waters, Mariposas, Pan Am, and Super Skill Pinball 4K. That's a Jeff Engelstein game. Wow. Um, and the winner was Forgotten Waters, uh, which I, th- I guess makes sense, right? Uh, although yeah. I do an Imperium also a notoriously beloved game already. Um, seems like the theming would be pretty strong for that one, right? <laughs> do you think potentially it went to Forgotten Waters because, you know, Dune and Pan Am already had so much other stuff to pull from to create the theme? Yeah. Whereas like Forgotten Waters, <laughs> that was all the designers who had to come up with you know thematically everything there. Yeah. And I'm not saying that would sway people, but I can easily see being swayed by well you worked from a ton of pre-existing stuff versus you created this world this game in this world that you completely created that makes sense um i have i i mean you have played my posters right i have yeah because i have i have it but i haven't played it yet so um i know that yeah between my posters and forgotten waters those two seem to have the best uh inspiration like unique vision from like not pulling from something right I'm sure super skill pinball is pulling from pinball games. <laughs> I would assume so, yes. Uh, best strategy game. The nominees were On Mars, Beyond the Sun, Lost Ruins of Arnak, Dune Imperium, and Praga Kaput Regni. And the winner was uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak, a game that I have recently quickly added to the must-get list. And that's by CGE. Yeah, this game has been on my want-to-play list basically since it came out. It probably is the game at the top of my want-to-play list. Yeah. I really, really want to get this game. Uh, it's just hard because I have so many games that I feel like are in the similar place of, hey, let's go on an adventure on a board game, right? Like, yeah. that's, you know, not really dungeon crawl, but 
let's go through, let's discover this story and, and work through this stuff. And I mean, I know this isn't as much that story based or anything as, as some of the other games are, but I, I just get that adventure feeling I, I have in so many games right now that it's a little harder for me to convince myself to get this one. But it, it is, like I said, probably top of my two most wanted list right now. Sure, sure. Me too. It's up there. Uh, best solo games. We have Dune Imperium, Dwellings of Eldervale, Lost Ruins of Arnak, Super Skill Pinball 4K, and Under the Falling Skies. And the winner was Under the Falling Skies, also by CGE. A game I know nothing about, because we're in the solo game category. <laughs> correct, correct. I kind of thought Dwellings of El- Eldervale was going to win this. Uh, people seem to love that game. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just wondering, I know it's like super heavy and, and heady, so I'm wondering if maybe that got in its way a little bit. Um, but I kind of thought that one might take it because people really, really seem to enjoy that one. And what I've seen for it as far as playing it solo um, is is pretty positive. So Nice. Okay, we move on to best reprint. And I see a nominee I didn't know was a reprint. We have Second Wonders, Second Edition, Eclipse, Second Dawn for the Galaxy, Fort, which I didn't know was a reprint, Project Elite, and Rococo Deluxe Edition. And the winner was Rococo Deluxe Edition, a game I have heard about but have never played. And I do own Fort and Seven Wonders Second Edition. I did not know Fort was... Is a reprint of Fort or a different game? No, it's a re-implementation of a different game. Do you know what uh, the game was it, by chance? Um, oh boy, it's four letters. S-P-Q-F or something like okay. that. Uh, same designer, uh, Grant huh. Rodike did that game as well. Uh, and that game came out mm, a couple years ago. But it basically is a, a re-theme of that game, is my understanding at least. Hmm. Okay, cool. Oh, this is weird. When you pull up the thing, it doesn't... That's not important. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Best Party Game nominees. We have Five Minute Mystery, Hughes and Clues, Master Word, Mysterium Park, and Telestrations Upside Drawn. And the winner was Hughes and Cues, which I feel like is similar to uh, I'm blanking on the name of that other game, but it was like with paint um, tiles, like stuff you get at like uh, Home Depot or Lowe's or something like that. Oh, I can't oh, think of the name of that um, game. God dang it. Now I know what you're talking about too. Um, oh man. But, oh, Josh, what was the name of that game? Pantone? Pantone. Yeah, you nailed it. Pantone. Yeah. So this is... I mean, this seems similar. I'm really looking. We go on vacation in a few days, so I'm like looking. I always like to bring a bunch of my games, but I always also like to bring one new game. Mm. Um, And I try to base it off of a group setting for all levels of game plays, gamers. So maybe I'll check out Hughes and Cues. Although I'm tempted to check out Mysterium Park, but. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's accused as the OP, and you seem to like the OP. I love the OP, yeah. So, yeah, that's it's one of their games, so. Cool, I'll check it out. So, best party game, Hughes and Cues. Best game from a small publisher. We have Chai, Dune Imperium, Honey Buzz, Praga Caput Regni, and Project L. Uh, and the winner was Dune Imperium, 
which seems yeah. crazy to me that it's from a, a small publisher based on how like successful it's been. So good right. for them. But, yeah, no, absolutely great for them. And, you know, when you look at the other games in the category, not to uh, put down any of those games, but I'm not super surprised that Dune Imperium won sure. just because of how much people seem to be loving that game. It's funny because I see there's another Dune board game coming out and it's based off intellectual property from the movie. And mm-hmm. we also have another Dune that is big board game that is based off an intellectual property from the movie. What if this movie's bad? <laughs> I mean, I guess we'll find out, right? <laughs> yeah, we got to wait till October, though. People are going to have three different versions of diff- of Dune, and that's going to be from a bad movie. <laughs> well, and this Dune is getting an expansion. Yes, with the characters from the movie. Movie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's good. Uh, best game from a new designer. We have Beyond the Sun, Chai endangered fossils and lost ruins of arnak and the winner was lost ruins of arnak i don't think that's a surprise in this case uh best expansion we have chronicles of crime 1400 parks nightfall expansion spirit island jagged earth unmatched cobble and fog and wingspan oceana expansion I thought for sure Wingspan would get this, but it goes to Chronicles of Crime 1400, a game I still haven't played. Yeah, people love Chronicles of Crime. And every time I saw that in stores, I pick it up, not realizing it's an expansion to a game I don't have, and I have to put it back down, (laughs) because it does look cool. It does. Agreed. Okay, best cooperative game. Uh, We have The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine, Endangered, Forgotten Waters, Marvel United and Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. And it goes to the crew, the quest for Planet Nine. Not that's a pretty good category crew. that it's in. Yeah, that's a lot of good games right there. Uh, I really wish I jumped on Endangered, uh, but I skipped on that. That's my own fault. But what can you do? Best board game production nominees. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Dwellings of Eldervale. Honey Buzz. On Mars, Tang Garden, best board game production, no substance. Uh, Title Blades, Heroes of the Reef. <laughs> uh, I really thought Title Blades would take this, uh, but I haven't seen the winner's production quality, and that was Dwellings of Eldervale. But again, this is another game that people talked about for six straight months, about Correct, how much they yeah. loved it and how cool it is. So, uh, And Breaking Games seems to do. Uh, really high quality production on their games as well. Is this a game you're going to get? Is this on your list? It is. I really want to get this, but I guess I I think it's behind a couple other things. And again, a game I think I would likely end up playing solo, which not that that's a problem, but it just doesn't happen as often for board games. So, uh, but it is something that is definitely on the short list of games I want. Okay. Best artwork. We have Ether Fields, Forgotten Waters, Lost Runes of Arnak, Oceans, and Tidal Blades. Another category I thought Tidal Blades would sweep, but it goes to the Lost Ruins of Arnak. So far, what can we take away from the Dice Star Awards? Lost Ruins of Arnak and the Quest for Planet Nine, right? Those are the two big winners so far. I mean, definitely those have been the big winners for certain. Yes. And then our game of the year. The nominees are Calico. I guess I should get around to playing that. Uh, 
Uh, the crew, the quest for Planet Nine, Dune Imperium, Dwellings of Eldervale, Forgotten Waters, the Isle of Cats, Lost Ruins of Arnak, Viscounts of the West Kingdom, and Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. And I mean, yeah, it went to the crew. The quest for Planet Nine. It beat Lost Ruins of Arnak and Dwellings of Eldervale. Uh, and Dune, and I mean, it beat them all, but like, that's <laughs> I think that's just it's surprising for a small game, I think, for yeah. me to to really take the award from for game of the year. So, so congrats to Cosmos or Cosmos, <laughs> indeed, and Thomas Singh, who is the designer. This is a two to five player game. Um, uh, they say recommended age is 10 plus, and it's only a 20 minute game. Yeah. So maybe this will be the game I bring with me. There you go. That could be what you do. I might. I should probably make sure it's available on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I should go to my local game store first. So yeah, that's the Dice Tower Award winners and nominees for my first uh, category. 2020, despite everything else, uh, good year of games. Yeah, it sounds like we're about to experience a bad year, though, if you've been following Twitter at all. You mean 2021? Yeah. Well, it's because no games are going to get shipped to us. That's right. why. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, we that's... should we should uh, uh, sit in this year, this event, and just soak it all in and get all these games and play them and support these publishers. Absolutely, and start saving your pennies because you know you're going to need it to pay for shipping for your board <laughs> games. So. Yes. All right, so those are the Dice Tower Award winners. Go ahead. You can check it out. The DiceTower.com does have a list of all of them if you want to check them out. Um, and pretty much anything that's nominated is going to be a really great game. You know, So even those that didn't win are still uh, things well, they, to check out if yeah. you're interested. So, All right, so my first topic, Josh. Machi Koro 2. <laughs> yes, it has been announced. We are getting an official sequel to Machi Koro. Machi Koro 2. Uh, this story I have from ICV2, but you can find it lots of places, even maybe a Dice Tower stream. Uh, advice players to build their favorite city again. Um, written by Tim Smith. And it's, the story says, quote, in Machikoro 2, players will have to contend with new zoning laws that give them a limited budget to begin their new adventures. Buildings are separated into three decks and randomized with only five cards from each deck showing at a time. Over three initial building rounds, players will choose their first buildings and pay for them with coins. Cards will feature new, never-before-seen effects, including landmarks that can also benefit a player's opponents. Machikoro 2 will include 106 game cards, five reference cards, two dice, 80 coins, and a rule book for two to five players, 45 minutes, and an MSRP, Josh, of $29.95. Great price great price indeed uh the story goes on to talk about how much Koro sold over 100,000 copies in its first year of release so that's a pretty solid uh first year for the original and yeah. then regularly is in icv2's top 10 card and dice game charts so still selling well uh josh first off machi Koro 2 any desire for you to play Ooh. this sequel <laughs> what a good question you know i've been thinking about that for a few days uh, really, Magico Legacy is on my list of games I want to get, um, yeah. because I know that it you can play it by removing the part of the game that we had a tough time with, which was the red cards. Uh, right. So, um, I I enjoy Magicoro. Um, the few times we played it, I I have two expansions. We never played at the expansions. 
mm-hmm. um, which I guess kind of seems to be a theme with me uh, for certain games. I just don't get expansions for some games. Right. Um, so I, you know, I don't know for 30 bucks. So, I mean, that will probably be a impulse buy a target if I'm being honest. Um, I'm not going to go rush out to get it like I would for like a villainous expansion. Um, like I'm like impatiently waiting for the Marvel villainous mischief expansion. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm just, I, I like that they're making a sequel and I will eventually own it, but it's not like a hurry up and buy for me. So I played Monte Carlo Legacy, got completed eight of the 10 games, and then the two people who were playing with us moved. <laughs> Bummer. I know. So they live like multiple hours away now. So we're going to have to have them over uh, with the intent of just finishing that game because, man, <laughs> that's a bummer. Uh, I already pre-ordered this because I love Machi Oh, Carl. nice. That's good. I, I like Machi Carl a lot. Um, I know like on our list of games that we have, it's pretty low. Uh, and I think that it's still fair because I, I, I do think that it is a very, can be a very, very swingy game and it's very, very luck-based. So like you can have as equally a good time one round and bad time the next round just based off of how the dice roll. Yeah. There are ways to mitigate that to a degree, but in the end, it, it really is like up to the dice. Uh, I will say, though, Josh, that Machi Koro is a game that is significantly better with the expansions because a lot of what you worry about and like the, those red card issues don't just present themselves as often because sometimes those cards just ain't there. Right. Like, they're just not available to buy, you know, so... Uh, and there are plenty of other strategies you can choose to do when you incorporate the expansions that make can make the red cards not as impactful. Now, there are more red cards, obviously, if you play the expansions. And if somebody wants to go all in on them, they can. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> that's just, you know, says more about the person who does that strategy, <laughs> which sometimes is me. Oh, uh, red card <laughs> extravaganza. <laughs> that's right. But yeah, no, I'm really excited about this. My question for you, though, Josh. How often in board games do we see a straight sequel? This isn't a second edition. Yeah. This isn't a reprint. This isn't a Machi Koro with some new stuff. This is Machi Koro 2. Right. How often do we see that in board games? I don't feel like very often. I think the the first thing that came to mind was uh, every time I see uh, Red Dragon in it's like now it's oh. like and now it's up to like 9 Red Dragon yeah, in that's 9. True. But they're kind yeah. um you know, yeah. So that that I don't know. I don't know that we've seen proper sequels that often in board games. Yeah, I just thought that was super interesting and a and a unique choice for them to go and it's you know very much with the fact that it's just two not like Machi Koro colon some yeah. subtitle, right? Like it's clearly two. So I wonder how many people will get be like, "Well, I never played Machi Koro." Yeah, that's interesting. So can I play Machi Koro too? <sighs> I that is a good question. I don't know that that would have crossed my mind, but obviously we're in a different circumstance than someone who might see it and not know what it is. I, yeah, that is weird that that doesn't happen in board games, right? Because they usually just pick a different title instead of putting a two. They could have just called it like Machikoro, yeah. the Second Coming, or something. So it's not just like a numbered sequel to a game. Yeah, I don't know. It is weird. For sure. So, I, I yeah, I can't. I don't know if I like it or not like it. I just, it really, really stuck out to me that they're like, hey, this is Machi Koro 2, like, not 
anything else. But as someone who has played the first ones and the and the legacy version, all that good stuff, I'm super excited for it. Uh, we'll see if it actually shows up in October. I think is when it's slated to come be released. Uh, just with shipping stuff, I, I am not anticipating that I'm actually going to get it then, but I think it is slated for an October release right now. Yes. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. I, that price is really, really good, I think, for what you get, a nice $30 game. Uh, we don't see that that often anymore. And since, you know, a company that I like is releasing a sequel to a game that I like at a price that we talk about wanting to see more games at, I felt like I, I had to put my money where my mouth was and support yeah. this. Um, and I, But I'm doing so very excited to play it so hopefully you know it it delivers what i'm hoping it delivers but in general love machikoro <laughs> i'm so excited for this sequel any other thoughts on machikoro 2 or machikoro <laughs> okay so anyway i just think it's because it's the m and the k so that's why it seems like mortal Kombat. you know no i mean you got it you're on. You you nailed it. I just <laughs> didn't have anything to add to it okay. <laughs> constructively. Awesome. All right, Josh. What is your second topic? Well, uh, if you're on the internet, you'll know we finally got our Nintendo Switch Pro reveal. Did we? Right. Right. Interesting. <laughs> no, we did not. But uh, the whole internet has been waiting for you at least seven months for a Nintendo Switch Pro. And Nintendo uh, did reveal a new Nintendo Switch. It is Nintendo Switch OLED model, uh, organic light emitted display, I believe. Organic light emitted diode, isn't light, it? Diode, thank you. Diode, yeah, you, you got it. Not display. Uh, uh, model, and that's coming out October 8th. It's carrying a $349 price point. Um, things that you should note uh, the, if you're curious about this this new switch, uh, what you're getting for the extra fifty bucks is a seven inch OLED screen, uh, a better stand for your switch because the one it comes with right now is terrible. So it's a, a wider adjustable stand, um, a dock with a wired LAN port in it, and sixty four gigabytes of internal storage, which I think is great. Uh, also enhanced audio, and that's kind of vague. Uh, it's just better audio, I would say. Now, I want to get your thoughts on this, but what I, I want to say first is I keep forgetting that Switch is $299. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I keep thinking it's $249. So when I saw this and I was like, holy crap, $100 more, um, I don't know why I keep thinking the Switch is $250. So that was me my first my first reaction to this was based off of me not recalling the price of the switch um and maybe I saw a bundle at some point and just stuck in my head uh that being said uh I was pretty harsh on it when it came out uh, just for the price point and it not adding a whole bunch of features also it's white it's pretty plain for console you're marketing to i mean arguably families and kids but I know that we're also in that base um and i still think 350 is a lot for it but really as i've been thinking about it i i do think this is a very smart move for them because it's we've seen this before with a 3ds excel i know that, that that's like the big comparison right uh like how nintendo like changes their products halfway through the life cycle 
of a console. Um, but I mean, everyone does that to a degree. PlayStation Slim, Xbox Slim. Um, but what I do like about this is it's giving you your people might not know this, but this screen is going to be a giant improvement for handheld like mode uh, for certain games, not every game, but uh, it's going to that, that small screen and also the PSP versus the PS Vita is getting some comparison mm-hmm. for the screen quality. Um, and at, and that storage alone is, is almost worth the price of the card you'd have to buy to increase that storage to meet, to get your switch up to 64 gigs of internal storage. I think it's like thirty bucks for a sixty-four gig. Is it SD really thirty? Right is now, it really right? that much? I thought they were. I, think I, it thought, is. I thought those things were dirt cheap at this point. You might be able to get them on a sale week. I should probably look it up before I start saying that. But I think <laughs> it, I think it is. Um, uh, does it, do you know? Does it, it uses not micro SD, right? It uses um, SD regular. So SD? here's the funny thing: when I bought my oh switch, geez, it's eleven, twelve. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I was like, I'm pretty really sure storage is, is pretty cheap. <laughs> these days so 20 bucks will get you the nintendo branded one yeah i i will say that uh there is a neon red neon blue oled model as well there's not just the white one uh there is like the black with the neon red neon blue joy cons as an option as well with a black dock so okay good because someone was probably just screaming uh into their (laughs) headset for the past five minutes waiting for you to say that well and realistically and realistically (laughs) because everyone who hates the white and black playstation 5 clearly is not going to buy a white oled (laughs) nintendo switch like never that will be crazy uh (laughs) i think what i would what i want to say overall is i actually like this Uh, i don't i'm not going to rush out and buy a new switch we already have two switches my wife has one. I have one. We don't need another one. Um, but if I ever had to upgrade, uh, I would be comfortable like replacing my Switch with this because it really just is an improvement on how old is the Switch now? Four years old? A four-year-old piece of hardware? Mm-hmm. So I-, I like that they are giving this option. I, I Now I realize that I don't know. I don't can't even imagine what the conversations at Nintendo HQ have been like, knowing how many people are expecting a pro and then right being like, "Hey guys, hey marketing, hey developers, uh, console developers, we're just let's just set our expectations at how people are gonna react to this and just keep on moving forward because <laughs> not because people are gonna be mad." And I get that. I get why people. I get why certain people are mad. Um, I do. And I honestly, I, I'm mad for different reasons. Um, my la my fourth, no, my fifth left Joy-Con started drifting yep. over the past week while I was playing Mario Golf, which is another thing I'm mad at Nintendo about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so I don't even want to play my games anymore with the Joy-Cons. And I know because I was like, okay, I guess I'll look at getting new Joy-Cons. Oh, $80 for two Joy-Cons and I can't buy a left individually. So I'm I'm just mad at th- that in general. Um so I'm just going to buy I guess wired or pro controllers, I suppose, and just not take advantage of the whole point of the Switch which is the motion <laughs> on the Joy-Cons. Um but as far as as the Switch uh, OLED goes, 
I I turned around on what I really thought, and I think it's just a nice overall quality of life improvement for the console. Uh, what are your thoughts on the OLED model? So it's nice that they're finally catching up to the Vita. Um, okay, Snark is over. Snark is over. <laughs> Genuinely, I don't have any issues with this. I know some people did. Most people, though, that I saw were pretty stoked about it that I yeah. saw. And granted, my my social media Nintendo people are, is a very small glimpse of like the overall Nintendo fandom. But, you know, if there's anything Nintendo's really good at, it's selling hardware. And it's selling multiple pieces of hardware to the exact same person. Right, right. And this is what this is going to do again, right? Like, we hear how well the Switch is selling and how many of those are people who have bought multiple Switches themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, And and that is something that Nintendo does awesome. And people are going to be like, look at this OLED model. Sweet. I'm going to upgrade, quote unquote. And then in nine months or a year when they announce the the Switch Pro, those same people are going to buy one of those then. Like, it's just the way it is. And Nintendo does a great job of selling hardware. Um, So, yeah, I think this is totally fine. I'm not going to buy this. Uh, I, I do think that that price is a little hard to swallow for what you're getting for the upgrade. I I do agree that having an OLED screen is going to be an improvement for when you're playing the game, when you're playing the system handheld, but paying an extra $50 for a system that is going to do nothing to improve your experience when you're playing on your television. um, I guess technically you have the LAN port. So maybe I guess online connection will be better, which is a huge issue I've had, but that doesn't fix it for playing handheld. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I think this is totally fine. And I, there is a, going to be a contingent of Nintendo fans who are super stoked about this. And like everything, there's going to be those who are upset by it, but Nintendo is the master of small incremental changes and improvements to their hardware. Uh, and yes, you know, you'll see that other places like Xbox and PlayStation will make changes as well, but when they make changes, they phase out the other stuff, right? Like when they introduce yeah. a new, yeah. they get rid, like the old is gone and that is not what's happening here at all. Now there are three different switches to choose from. So you can own three of them if you want to, and they'll all be a little bit different. Um, so yeah, like I said, I think this is totally fine. Not something that's marketed at me, which is okay. Um, and for those who are s- stoked about it, that's awesome. That OLED screen is probably going to look super, super nice. Um, the extra little storage there is also a, a benefit, but yeah, like I said, I, I think, the biggest reason this got a somewhat negative reaction, I think, is because of the r- leaks and rumors about a Switch Pro. Um, and if you were to tell someone this is the quote-unquote Switch Pro, which now we have heard is not what this is intended to be, and that is still th- theoretically coming next year, um, I can see why people would be upset of, like, how is this a uh, significant upgrade? But in general, the product itself, I think, is a good th- a good product, right? Like an exciting yeah, thing. Yeah, for so. sure. I did also do- I find that I through Nintendo, I can buy a single Joy-Con or left the Joy-Con for $40. There you go. I don't know that I want to pull that trigger, but I know at least I can replace it to replace it again in three months when it starts drifting. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like they should just fix that for you, Josh. Uh, there's got to be something in that left one that, because the right one's fine, right? It's got to be something in that left one that has a special motion. I don't know. I can't understand it. Uh, that's right. my bigger frustration. Uh, okay, yeah. So switch, switch not pro. You can get it switch in October fine. for three hundred and fifty dollars. So awesome, Josh. Well, hey, my second topic is something that was a leak, <laughs> rumor, uh, story. I guess depending on how you yeah. want to look at it, that was then confirmed by the uh, company in question, and that is 
Assassin's Creed is going to probably look a little bit different in the future. Um, and I'm reading this from over on Games Radar, but the original story was that Assassin's Creed Infinity Project is underway at Ubisoft and is the publisher's attempt to create a live service game similar to Fortnite and GTA V, a new report has claimed. Bloomberg's Jason Schreier has claimed that the game, which is seemingly in the early stages of development and years away from launch, will feature multiple settings which can be expanded following the game's eventual launch. He also reports that the games on the platform might look and feel different, but they will all be connected. The project is reportedly being developed by a large team across Ubisoft Montreal and Quebec, who had previously created Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Assassin's Creed Odyssey, respectively. The report states that the Montreal and Quebec teams were unified in April. Quebec will be char Quebec will be taking charge of the franchise moving forward, although both studios will have their own creative director on the game. After this story came out from Jason Schreier, uh, Ubisoft decided to post a little thing, and the update to the article says. Ubisoft has confirmed that it's working on Assassin's Creed Infinity, an early in-development project that was revealed by a new report earlier. A post on the Ubisoft website confirmed the existence of the project, along with the new structure of the development teams working on it, as well as the top-level leads of the game. After that, it goes into all the leads. I don't know that we need to cover all of those people. Um, but yeah, so there you go, Josh. Assassin's Creed Infinity. So, obviously, this was a hot topic. This is something a lot of people were chatting about. I know Josh from, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel I play a lot more Assassin's Creed than you Recently, do. yes. Yes. Is this, as someone who maybe has stepped a little bit away from Assassin's Creed, is this exciting to you? What What does this <laughs> news do for you and your potential future with Assassin's Creed? It's the opposite of exciting to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's staring even further away from the Assassin's Creed I like. Um, and that doesn't bother me necessarily. Uh, I even commented on the Discord. I was like, hey, you know, I, I, I've been away from Assassin's Creed since I changed the formula to something I don't like, uh, or I tried to like. I just couldn't get into it. And I still want to give Valhalla a try. Um, but like Origins and Odyssey just weren't the game for me. It was too big, too much going on, not enough right. linearity, if you will, for me. Um Compared to the other games, so uh, you know, and we talk about how much I like narrative-driven uh, game adventure games like this, not necessarily open worlds. Uh, I what I didn't realize is how far out uh, Infinity was. Like when this, when all this dropped, it it made it sound like it would be the next Assassin's Creed, and I really feel like there, there's, I really feel like we'll we'll get another regular Assassin's Creed. Before this, I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't um, think so. But they haven't said anything regarding that, right? Well, that's why I think that they announced at their little Ubisoft Forward that they're going to do another year slash season of DLC for Valhalla yeah. going through 2022. But this has years so I think. Away. So you think right, you don't so get it I, until three years from now? I think, another Assassin's? I think Infinity is coming out in like 2025. So basically, what I think is we will go probably 23 and 24. Without an Assassin's Creed in twenty two, I, I really don't. Well, no, like I think, like I said, I think that they are looking at Valhalla as being that bridge, really? and that's why they're continuing support for it. That they are going to try to get people who are wanting to play Assassin's Creed to play Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and that's why they've added another year of DLC and support to that. But what game. about the people who aren't playing Valhalla? Uh, play Valhalla. I mean, it's just like for people, like it's like Bungie. What do you What are you doing for the people who don't play Destiny? I'll play Destiny. You know, like, yeah, what? I mean, but like, that's their one game. 
Well, they actually have more development well, right now. That's but. their one game currently. Like <laughs> you true. can't play it's... another Bungie game. <laughs> yeah, or go play Far Cry, or go play right. Riders Republic, or go play Beyond Good and Evil Two. Right? right? Yeah, <laughs> Skull and Bones. That just seems too <laughs> long for an Assassin's Creed. Roller game. Champions. Yeah, yeah, Roller Champions. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, regardless, uh, I really, I mean, I don't know. I just, I think. My general thoughts are I'm just I'm just constantly disappointed by Assassin's Creed news, but only to the effect that it isn't going the way I want it to go for me to play right. more because I love the idea and the story of Assassin's Creed. I love it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not able to participate in it anymore to the level that I enjoy it. So, so what would they need to do to now that they've on. already said, hey, we're doing this infinity thing? Yeah. What would this Infinity thing need to include in it for you to play? 20 to 40 hour story campaign. So kind of like if it had a campaign like Destiny does. Not level 420 characters. (laughs) But like if it had had a campaign like Destiny does. Like would you play, like where it was pretty linear, like you can go do this thing, go do do this thing, go do this thing. I would probably compare it more to like Uncharted or Tomb Raider, not Mm -hmm. like Destiny because it's, you know, third person. I'm talking but, though from a like live service. Oh, I don't want it to be live service. Of, like as part. It of. doesn't get me a live service. I have okay. no interest in. Uh, honestly, I don't have any interest in live service games. Period anymore. I just don't have the time. Um, and that's yeah. what live service games are for people who have the time to put into it. And I I respect that. I just don't like. Why not just make your own? I, I mean, I get it. Okay, I, I'm just gonna be like curmudgeonly. Like, I, I get why they're doing. No, I get fine. why they're doing. Right? It's Assassin's Creed. It's a beloved IP. They're trying to uh, evolve it to, but they already have live service games. I don't understand why they need more live service. So games. what if? And, and I'm reading a lot into this Infinity thing. So, yeah. but obviously, I am not an insider. I have no knowledge. <laughs> I would. I should probably just should say I'm an insider, and this is the rumor I've heard. But you know, yeah, someone told me uh, at, but, a, at a bar. Yeah, recently. I heard one time <laughs> at a bar that. Um, what if you know? Since this is called Infinity, one could say, "Hey, Infinity's going forward," but maybe Infinity is all encompassing of Assassin's Creed. So what? What if this game, this live service game, you when you enter, you enter your assassin hideout, and from there, you're like, you know what? I'm gonna go play Assassin's Creed Two. Okay. Or I'm going to play Brotherhood, <laughs> yeah. or I'm going to play Black Flag, or I'm going to go out and do the PvP and PvE opportunities that are part of this quote-unquote lived-in real world that's happening right yeah. now. Or, hey, here's this new campaign that's 30 hours that is just a campaign like that you can just go in, but like the whole point being like you go into this live service game, but you still have standalone individual campaign experiences like would that even though it's part of a live service would that entice you yeah i mean as long as i'm not paying for i'm not paying 180 dollars to play a 30 hour game yeah like (laughs) if i have to like if they're charging me monthly to play a 30 hour game i'm not gonna do that because i don't have the time like i play a game and finish it when i do maybe i'll beat it in three days but maybe i'll beat it in three months you know yeah that's true i don't want to pay uh, you know, I don't know. I, it would really just depend on logistics, like how it works out. But I just don't think that we're going to get. I don't see them going back to Assassin's Creed two, one, two, three. Like I say, one, two, and three. Like really, only one of them is called three, and then their Brotherhood, and it, yeah. you know, like I don't see them going back to Revelations or or Brotherhood or or 
Assassin's Creed 3, um, which is fine. Like uh, We talk about this all the time. Not every game has to be for us. I think this is just one hurts more because I want it to be for me. <laughs> like no, I, I just genuinely that. love Assassin's Creed. Um, so maybe I'll just have to watch people stream it to enjoy yeah. <laughs> the game. <laughs> yeah. I do think it would be cool if that if they did create this hub, though, um, almost similar to like the Master Chief Collection, but in a um, like hub okay, world Halo where Infinity? you could... What's that? <laughs> Halo Infinity. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. like where you could go, <laughs> Infinite, uh, where you could go and actually like go back and play those old games from there. Like just by the virtue of having this product, you can just go play the old ones if you want to. You can go play Valhalla and Origin and the French one, Unity, and then the one with the twins. Uh, that Syndicate. One. What's that? Yeah, Syndicate, Syndicate, thank you, that one. like I think that'd be kind of cool if that you had all of that in housed in this one area. I am the person and probably the only person who is hoping that they are leaning more towards like a Genshin Impact model for this game rather than a Destiny GTA um, setup for this because Genshin Impact... While the microtransactions, I think, are are one conversation to have about the predatory nature of the microtransactions in that game, they have showed that you can make a very expansive single-player experience in a games-to-service model. Like, it is possible to do. You know, when you look at Ubisoft's history of microtransactions, though, when they already have in their $60, $70 titles, have downloadable XP boosters you can pay for already, I don't know that I trust them to do a non, like a, a fair or <laughs> equitable um, payment system in, in a free to play um, games and service type system. So we'll have to wait and see. As someone who really loves Assassin's Creed and played a ton of it lately, like I'm, you know, 80 hours into Valhalla and all that other good stuff, uh, I am cautiously. I don't know if I want to say optimistic. I am cautious. That is what I will say. I, I see a. a path where this could be something i'll enjoy yeah. but i i think there that path is very specific and very narrow and it's probably more likely that they're going to miss that path than they're going to hit that path however i know that that path exists yeah so we'll have to wait and see they have talked a lot and there's been a lot of news about ubisoft saying like hey we're moving away from the triple a game model and i think taking assassin's creed Valhalla, which was their most successful launch of an Assassin's Creed ever. Yeah. And then saying, hey, we're going to change it, tells you how committed they are to re-examining these things. And they did say, theoretically, that we're not going away from just ever doing AAA games like box products anymore. But I don't believe we're going to get another Assassin's Creed before Infinity. If we do, it's being developed by a team who hasn't done an Assassin's Creed in a while. You know, which maybe is possible, but I, I genuinely believe that the commitment to another year of DLC for Valhalla to me says that we're not getting a new AC anytime soon. And that whenever Infinity launches, 2025 probably, that will be our next adventure um, into Assassin's Creed. And I'm going to be an old person by then. I'm already an old person. I'm going to be a real old person by then. Be on the cusp of a next generation of Sim <laughs> yeah, models. Yeah, no right? I mean, hopefully I'll have won the big lotto by then and I can just retire and play Assassin's Creed Infinity to my heart's content, right? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what. I'll make Ubisoft the deal. If I win 
Mar State's Vax Millions Lottery this month, I'll I will promise to play every Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> good luck. I, Regardless I, I, of the platform and how much they're charging me. Good luck. All right. So that's Assassin's Creed. Listeners, love to hear your thoughts on whether you think this future for uh, Assassin's Creed is it looking bright to you. Is it looking a little gloomy? What are your thoughts? Let us know. Josh, what is your third topic? Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, we talked about Ticket to Ride. We talked about Catan changing. And we have yet another new take on an old classic. I'm not calling them old, but this is old classically old classic traditionally old classic uh this is a new take on the choose your adventure choose your own adventure style of games now i was a huge i was really excited for the choose your own adventure board games that came out the card games and in fact if i had a if my wife enjoyed them as much as i did i probably would have played and beaten both of them by now but unfortunately she gave up halfway through the first of the two that came out <laughs> so if we didn't finish that but uh this this got me really excited and this is from dicebreaker um there's an upcoming board game it's called what next and it's combining choose your own adventure with the physical challenges of a dexterity game um and it's due for release it looks like in europe first um, next month and then we'll get it later uh, hopefully but it's it's a co-op game featuring three separate scenarios they each last about 40 to 60 minutes um, there's one called drums of koala cave which these players uh, the players zoologists washed up on an island and attempt to rescue their colleague there's the futuristic blinky's great escape which follows a robot attempting to take a break after 15 years of work um, needing to survive their killer colleagues and boss to clock off. And then there's Skyscraper Caper, involving a superhero escaping the ire of the housekeeper while dodging lasers and frying pans alike. Uh, what I what I thought was uh, really cool was, not only does each scenario have a branching narrative where you can guide the story by choosing different decisions on a number of cards, um, but... Uh, you must complete a dexterity mini uh, based mini game in order to progress, and it includes more than sixty different physical challenges. That seems awesome. One of the pictures shown is like um, rock stacking, like stacking rocks uh, on top of each other. Uh, the the main picture is them trying to flick a a token to the end of a board, kind of like what people play on tables. Um, with paper, like the paper footballs. Uh, a single playthrough won't feature all the possible mini games, allowing scenarios to be replayed. The box includes over 200 cards, as well as more than a dozen physical items used in the challenges. Uh, it's up to four players. It also has a single player uh, mode to go through the adventures in a solo mode. Um, it's published by the big by Big Potato. Uh, they made Obama Llama the Chameleon and Don't Get Got. I've heard great things about the Chameleon. I don't know the other two games. Um, and uh, the most interesting part, maybe not the most interesting, an interesting part was this game was actually originally created as the final project for a master's degree in game design before it was bought by the studio, which is also super cool. Um, yes, so you can get it on August 9th. 
It's an online exclusive for UK board game seller Zatu. So you could probably ship it overseas. It's 40 euros. So I think that's like between like 57 and 60 American dollars. If I had to guess, I could probably Google that, but I won't. Uh, (laughs) But I think based on everything that's saying it comes in the box, that seems like a pretty fair price. Three different games, all those dexterity games. Well, as of July 12th at 1.23 a.m. UTC, so that's why it's tomorrow and not today, even though we're recording on uh, July 11th, (laughs) uh, 40 euros equals $47.52. Oh, I said 57. I was $10 off. So that's not too bad, I don't think. Assuming the game is as big as I think it is. So, Josh, in general, my interest in this game is minimal. Um, only because I didn't know about it until I saw it in our show notes. So maybe the more I learn about it, the more I check it out, I, I might be more interested in it. But Josh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna ask this question, and maybe this is a conversation for a different time. So I apologize if I'm like throwing a hand grenade into your conversation here. <laughs> There's a lot of talk about accessibility in video games, Josh. Whoa, this is way off topic. But (laughs) there are a lot of of individuals who, when it comes to dexterity games, just don't have the physical dexterity capability to perform certain tasks. Yes. So this game, there are going to be certain people who are just never going to be able to play this game. Is that cool? Sure. That's just the way it is? It's just the way it is. Yeah. I mean, that's not cool, but it is what it is. So never make any dexterity games ever because uh, people can't play it. No, I'm or, saying that's all. You know, back in the day, and when we watched, you know, shows on Nickelodeon, you know, they could have the question or the physical challenge. And obviously, on the television show, most people took the physical challenge because sure. they wanted to get slimed. You know, that's kind of the way that worked. But you know, I just wonder. So they're like, "Hey, we made this dexterity game, but so we can make it so everyone can play. You can play this game and just do questions." Instead of physical challenges. <laughs> Just positing the question of we we ask it regularly for video games, and it seems that we both tend to be on the side of making video games as accessible as possible. Uh, yes, but we also talk about how every game isn't doesn't have to be for us. True. So, no, I don't agree with that sentiment. I, I don't think – I do think, because I just said it, every game doesn't have mm-hmm. to be for me. If there's a game that – uh, that I can't do, then I can't do it. I mean, I obviously say that being able to do most games, mm-hmm. right? Like, I haven't... Well, I mean, there's definitely games that are too smart for me, so should they have to dumb it down because I'm not as smart as the game? I don't think that's fair to the designer who made us, like... I don't know what you're... A, what you a mean challenging game. game. Smart for you, though. Like, literally, like, games that I can't uh, competitively play because I'm not... Uh, Right, but are you talking like a trivia situation or no just any game in general like what if i want to go play twilight imperium but yeah. i can't i can't figure it out so are they required to make rules for dumb people <laughs> i mean i i think there's a difference between someone um needing a- i'm not okay i'm not comparing <laughs> yeah i'm not comparing that to that okay so, okay I mean, you are that's what you're doing those like but for me, that's the only thing that I can think to my intelligence level could be considered. Uh, no, see, that's going down the wrong path. Uh, 
I'm watching a video on this game too, by the way. That's why I'm getting distracted. Oh, I, really I appreciate cool. you being present in our uh, conversation, Josh. I am present. I am present. You just you just sprung this on me while I was I know, looking up if it was said. available. I'm dropping this little like potential grenade into our conversation. Uh, yeah, it sounds like you got a gotcha question for no, me. I you can get me in trouble. <laughs> I, I don't even know how I feel about it. I was just asking the question because I was looking. Okay, I'm like, 60 different physical challenges. This seems cool. And then I was thinking about like. By past well, game. why didn't you bring this up when we talked about flip ships? I reviewed the flip reason ships. I brought it up was because I was thinking <laughs> about um, different. Like I was like, oh, this would probably be really fun to play with a game group. So I was thinking of my different game groups I've had in the past, and in one of my game groups, I did have someone who did have um, some physical limitations as far as what they were able to do, um, like with their hands and their fingers and how they were able to like hold and move things. So like we developed and did things for like card holding for them and stuff because they weren't even able to necessarily hold cards all the time. Um, So that that's how I got to this because I was thinking about like, oh, and when I was playing Flip Ships, I wasn't playing that game with them. So that's why I didn't think about it at that point. I was literally just being like, hey, if I was to play this with my game group, how would this go? And that's what brought this in. That's the extent of what my thought process was. So then I wouldn't play this game in a game group Correct. with someone who is physically disabled. I agree. I agree. But that is not how you asked me I that was question. just asking whether we <laughs> thought that, you know, if there were games that had physical dexterity cha- parts of them, whether there should be potential options for other ways to, to, to play the game. But if you're like, no, the game is about the physical dexterity, that's fine. That's that. Okay. okay. I was just asking a question to get All your right. thoughts. All right. I, I guess I didn't, from the way you asked it, I didn't take it that way. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just generally being like, huh, I wonder if that's the thing that they ever think about. And if not, that's fine. Just It's fine. Now I am not excited about it, and I don't want to get it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Josh is only $47. Because you made me compare my mental <laughs> no, I didn't make you smarts to people who are actually disabled, and now I'm going to get canceled. You to go down that direction. <laughs> I did not make you do anything. So you're going to have to take uh, submissions for a new co-host because <laughs> someone's going to come from Man, me. it's good you're going on vacation. <laughs> so time to cool off. All right. So, <laughs> cool. But in general, uh, I think from a conceptual standpoint of a co-op choose-your-own-adventure game that is doing this, this is an interesting concept. Like that in of itself i think is really really cool i just need to like you were watch a video about it learn more about the game before i know if i would be interested in it because i hadn't heard about it until you put it in the show notes so i didn't even know this was a thing the shipping costs as much as the game that probably makes me a little less likely to yeah, purchase that game i won't be buying it overseas i'll have to okay. wait till it comes to the u.s okay excellent anything else you want to say uh, about that no i've <laughs> <Sorry>. said enough <laughs> i didn't mean to derail us so much i apologize i knew it would probably be like a, a conversation but i quite <laughs> but you didn't much. think i was going to incriminate myself <laughs> i mean no no i did not but that's okay so all right josh my final topic is uh hey playstation held a new state of play this week that they were very clear about what was going to be in it and yet some people still were like, hey, that wasn't like an E3 level presentation. And you're right. You're like, right. Because they said it wasn't going to be. But, you know, that's cool. <laughs> uh, trying to set expectations as best they can. But, hey, there we go. Uh, so they held one last Thursday focused mostly on Deathloop. So, you know, uh, their PlayStation slash Bethesda conference. Just they want to be like Microsoft and have their own, you know, 
right. slash Bethesda conference. Um, but they showed a few more than that. Um, some some indie games and some games that they are doing or you know marketing in combination with third party partners. Uh, so Josh, let's just start kind of with the big one uh, of Deathloop. What were your mm. thoughts? A, did you watch this conference? And B, if you did, thoughts on Deathloop? I did watch it. Um, I, my thoughts on Deathloop are I'm still confused on if this is a game for me. I'm not confused about the game, right. but I'm, I don't know. From everything I've seen, from everything I've heard, sorry, there's a lot of comparisons to Dishonored, which is a game series I haven't played. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see a lot of similarities to like Hitman. Yeah. Uh, which I can get behind. Um, I like that. I like the level they showed off, but it's also, while it was pretty clear idea of how the game plays, I also felt like there were more questions than answered answers for me. Like, what are all these other options? Uh, what are you doing with this disc you're using to jump? Like, how do these things work? Because it's just kind of like a very matter of fact. Like, we're doing this. Just watch. It's not a tutorial, right. which I get. Um, it was a little long too. Like I was surprised that they spent what fifteen to twenty minutes showing just Deathloop. No, it was nine minutes. Was it nine? Okay, well then yeah. it felt long. <laughs> I think that's yeah, probably think a bad minutes. thing. <laughs> I think Deathloop was like nine minutes. Okay, well it felt very long. Um, but that could be. I was also cooking at the same time, so maybe that's why it felt long. Um, but I, I guess I would say uh, it still has me interested, but it hasn't moved the needle for me. Yeah, in one I way feel the same other. way about Deathloop. Uh, I, I am not as into Dishonored as it seems like everybody else in the world is into Dishonored. I tried the first one and played a couple hours of it and then just kind of fell off of it. And I have the second one, I think, and I just have never played it. So I am in the same boat as you, Josh, as I, I feel like I now have a decent understanding of what this game is, but I still don't know if the game is for me or not. Um, and that's not throwing any shade or just saying anything poorly about what they're doing. Just like we've talked about, not every game is for everyone. Um, and this game, I just don't know if is for me. Um, I might be convinced to play it depending on what else is out at that time, depending on how reviews look and things like that. But I'm not like chomping at the bit to or champing depending on where you're from uh at the bit to get in there and pre-order this game and get it day one and and all that good stuff um so yeah i i I think that their commitment to death loop is interesting to a degree obviously they have a a one-year um exclusivity uh console as far as that goes but they really have been pushing this game hard uh and i i think that is a unique thing to do especially now that you know the studio is owned by Microsoft. Um, and yeah. I'll be very interested because <laughs> they've talked about like DualSense 5 feature integration and all the things they're doing with the DualSense. So then in September of 2022, when this game comes out on Xbox, like they just won't have those things. You know, like that just seems very yeah. weird. You know, like they're like, hey, here's all these things you can do for this game we put on a other console that just don't work on ours, which may, and maybe by then Xbox will have their own um, controller that does similar stuff. Who knows? Because uh, I do think that third party buy into DualSense has been a little bit more than people anticipated it was going to be. Sure. Um, there's a lot of third party games that have some integration there. So, but yeah, um, I overall, like I said, I thought it was a cool presentation that it was a really good demonstration of what the game is. I just don't know if the game's for me. So, 
Uh, with that, though, Josh, you know, we're, our podcast is kind of getting to where our usual ending time would be. So rather than going through every game, was there a game or two that really stood out to you? What were your thoughts on the rest of the presentation? Uh, I mean, it was fine, like most of these are, because they're, they're not, you know, they're big shows. Right. Uh, I still don't know what Death Stranding Director's Cut really is. I know that it adds DualSense features and stuff, but I don't know why it's called Director's Cut, and maybe <laughs> I just... You're, glossed over that you're just anti-director's cut for video i don't games. i mean i just i know it as a different meaning so it's just right, hard no, for me to wrap my brain around it uh um i think uh see if you're getting delayed is a bummer uh it's a game that looks cool i think hunter's arena seems to be stolen from the game i played on steam it's like the same exact game so either it's like a just renamed port to playstation or they are like developed it's like when like Dante's Peak and Armageddon came out the same year, or Volcano, no, Volcano and Dante's Peak and Deep Impact and Armageddon. It's oh, like right, competing right. games coming out at the same time. Because uh, I was like, oh, they just renamed that game I played to Hunter's Arena and put it on PlayStation. No, it's just <laughs> a very similar looking game. Um, I think Tribes of Midgard probably has got me the most interested, like a Diablo style. Um, survival open world. I don't even know how to describe this game, but the Diablo thing has me like interested. The Diablo style. Um, and then that's it for me. I know that there's something that got you more excited, uh, but uh, just because I haven't experienced what you have. Yeah. So probably. <laughs> so when they kicked off the show, uh, the first thing that they uh, showed was a reveal trailer for moss book two uh which moss the original one is a psvr game this also is going to be a psvr game uh and i love moss i think moss is an absolutely stellar stellar game uh had a wonderful wonderful time with it uh and so i'm really excited to uh play book two uh it's you know I don't know when it's coming out. I don't think they really indicated at all um, when we're supposed to expect this game, but I I just really enjoyed uh, my time with the first one. So yeah, definitely um, a game that I was really excited about. Uh, (laughs) I was trying to think forever about the, um, when you talked about uh, Hunter's Arena, I was like, what is that other thing? Like, (laughs) what was the other game that was like, almost like had like the duplicate things happening? Uh, like Paladins and Overwatch. Oh, yes, yes. Like, basically, like, almost the exact same game uh, done by two different people. But anyway, so yeah, so that was a big one for me. Moss Book 2 looks awesome. Really excited for that one. Uh, I, with you, Tribes of Midgard is a game that I've always kind of been wishy-washy about, but definitely am much more on board now uh, with Tribes of Midgard. I, I didn't know if I wanted to play it, and I think I do now. Uh, other than that, though, uh, Fist or Forged in Shadow Torch... This game was when it was originally revealed was part of the China Hero Project, if I recall, and it has always looked really cool. So it's nice to see this finally getting a release date um, in September. Uh, so this is a game that I've I've been watching and anticipating for a while now. So definitely excited about that one. Sifu, you're right, the delay is a bummer, but I would rather have them delay it and take their time and not crunch because um, that game still looks awesome. 
and I am more sold now on Jet the Far Shore than I ever had been. Um, I, I really liked what I saw of this game. It looks really different and really unique um, and very chill and, and a different take and a different um, thing that we're doing in games. I don't think we see too often where there's, you know, really, really de-emphasizing combat and, and making that kind of this other thing that might happen on occasion. But really, the goal is to just go explore um, check out all these cool things and not necessarily fight and stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm not someone who usually is super into exploring in games. Um, uh, but I think if that is the only point of the game, um, rather than combat and all this other stuff, I might be more into it. So I'm a little more interested. And I just think the aesthetic of that game too, um, was really interesting. So yeah, yeah those were kind of my highlights of everything there. Yeah. The Destiny director's cut. I mean, We'll see. <laughs> I liked what I played of Death Stranding, but I just stopped playing it for some reason. So I don't know what exactly <laughs> happened there. So, all right. Anything else then, Josh, about uh, the state of play? Uh, no, more of it. I didn't. I didn't, like. It's good that they're doing them. So um, you know, people should just be happy with new content. So, so real it. quick, <laughs> yeah, real quick question, kind of based off that. Do you think you know everyone's kind of saying like, hey, they have you know re whatever. Uh, PlayStation experience is something that has been had copyrights and things like that brought about again. Um, there's all these rumors of them doing a big show. Do you think they're going to do something big or do you think they're just going to continue to do state of plays? I don't think they need to. So I would assume they won't do anything big. Uh, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. Right. But uh, I don't see that they have to do it. Yeah. And they, and they, there isn't really as any precedent to them doing it in the past four years right like we're not that's not something we should be expecting i don't think when was the last playstation experience was it like three or four years ago i'm trying to remember if it was 2019 or 2018 and i just can't remember i think it was 2018 of course this is 2017 2017 so oh close. dang yeah okay, so, so it it's been, been well. it's been four years so like I, and it was cool to see i know like Devin from psvg got to go I think if I'm correct in remembering that, like it's cool that they can do that for their fans. But I mean, that now is definitely not the time to be trying to do that. Right. Like give it a year <laughs> and then maybe <laughs> do it again. But I mean, they should be fine just putting out state of plays. They got game. They got the games. Like they don't have anything to worry about. Um, if any, like we're in a situation where if someone does need to do it, it's, it's Microsoft right now. Like PlayStation's fine. Yeah, we'll see. I don't. I. I could. There was a lot of desire for them. I think. I think there's a, fans who want them to have another big like press conference type event. Yeah, who wouldn't want it? Yeah, you know. So I. Yeah, it's just how much do they have to show? And I obviously, you know, we still don't have a Horizon release date. God of War, you know, we're, we haven't seen yet. And supposedly those things are still coming. And and I think with the little message at the end of their. Um, state of play blog post where they talked about like hey it's not going to have these things you know you'll get updates about those in the future or the summer still i think that gives people this idea that there there still could be a big press conference out there and there are yeah. still a lot of big games that we don't have updates on like we don't have an update on final fantasy 16 like there's a lot of things out there that are still swimming so we'll see but i'm totally fine i would rather have right more regular state of plays versus like one big show and then nothing for six months right so right i agree yeah. But anyway, all right, Josh. So with that, let's kind of head towards wrapping the show up. Uh, we do have to move on to prediction time. So, Josh, what do you think is going to be announced on Monday between you know us uh, recording this and this podcast posting? I think the EA um, event's going to get oh. delayed. 
Interesting. I think it's going to get pushed back to August. Any particular reason why you think that's going to happen? Or you just got this feeling? I just, I don't, yeah, I just have this feeling. I, they haven't promoted it. They haven't talked about it. It's They've been quiet since pre-E3. It just seems like this should be something you're focusing on. Talk about it. Talk about it. Let people know. It's coming next week. You haven't even told anybody about it. <laughs> like, you only, the people who know about it were already, are people who are in the know. You're not telling um, John Smith, who just got a PlayStation, who has Madden. He doesn't know that there's a big EA. Well, I put, I should put big in quotations. Uh, right. Event coming up on the 20th, I think is the date. Like, the, the, or 22nd, one of those two days. Like, these people. I haven't seen any YouTube commercials. I haven't seen any ads on video game websites. It's just very bizarre. Even for state of play things I was getting ads for. So like, I, it seems odd, oddly quiet. Yeah. I would agree. And EA added like those four other like streams where they're doing one about like the, the future of first person shooters and like other things that they're yeah. adding. Um, and I pack a couple hundred, multiple of them might even be this coming week. And I just don't even remember. <laughs> so, you know, there we go. We'll see how that goes. Um, my prediction, man, I usually think about this ahead of time, and I just couldn't really think of one that I felt really strongly about. So I'm just going to go with we will get an announcement about when we're going to get an announcement of announcement regarding, hey, here's when you're going to find out more about the next Call of Duty. Because we haven't heard anything about this year's Call of Duty yet. That is also and like I said, true. I, am totally, I have no idea if that's going to happen. We just haven't heard about it yet. So maybe we'll hear about it on Monday. All right. So with that, we're going to move on to our well-rounded life recommendations. Obviously, we are a gaming podcast, but we want to leave you with something else that we're currently into it that is helping us live that well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation for our listeners this week? Well, I do want to correct. Uh, I guess I wasn't following EA on YouTube. They only have two live streams scheduled, though. Uh, EA Play Live 2021 Spotlight on July 13th, and then EA Play is the 22nd. Uh, so those are scheduled. Um, but still, I haven't seen anything advertised. I had to go seek them out to find that. So I'm still sticking to my guns. Uh, and actually, I'm uh, oh, sorry, really quick. Yeah. <laughs> the EA Play Live uh, Future of FPS 1 already happened. Oh, great. So, so they must have revealed some great information. <laughs> Whoopsies. Oh boy, EA. Uh, yeah, they're really killing it. Um, <laughs> literally, they're killing it. Um, my recommendation is something I was hoping to have watched the sequel by now, um, which I got busy. Um, I was going to, I was going to recommend Bill and Ted Face the Music because it's on Hulu, mm-hmm. but I'm not recommending that. Uh, <laughs> Fear Street, 1994. So Kyle had mentioned he was surprised last week that this wasn't on my recommendation list because I hadn't seen it yet. I was able to watch it. Um, it was very enjoyable. Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out... I keep going back and forth between how I describe it. Uh, when I talked about it in Discord, I kind of told our resident horror expert, Donnie, that it's kind of like... Monster Squad or Lost Boys-ish. Uh, really, I think it's more similar to the first Scream. It's kind of like that pop... It's not pop culture focus, but it like f- it focuses on a certain group of kids. So it feels a little less... I don't know if I feel... like It feels a little less uh, of a horror movie because it has like this... 
um, school kids feeling to it. Um, has a little bit of Stranger Things vibes, but um, just very, very loose, uh, probably because of the year it is. Um, but it it, uh, it really, they nailed the look of 94. The acting is very good. Uh, it's not overly, it's not scary. Um, and I wouldn't say it's gruesome, but there definitely are, I would say, less than a handful of gruesome scenes. So if you have a tough time with that, um, it's not too bad. But uh, I was really enjoyable, and I like that it ends. It's a full movie, but when it ends, it almost feels like an end of an episode of a TV show because it gives you that little tease to the next movie. It kind of reminds me of the um, Dark Picture Anthology games we're playing, but as a movie, um, because like and now I know I'm excited to watch the second movie, and then the third movie will be out next week. Um, like watch that too so i would yeah. recommend it uh fear street fun campy yeah. horror movie so that's fear street part one 1994 uh, as josh said fear street part two 1978 just came out on friday and then fear street part three 1666 uh will be out this coming friday from when you're listening to this so go ahead check out at least the first one i've heard the really good things about the first one heard the second one isn't maybe quite as good as the first uh, one is, i'm psyched because it's at a um camp yeah but still apparently Apparently, kind of one of those, like, the first one was so surprisingly mm. good, I think, that people were like, oh, my gosh, that was so yeah. great. So then they had, like, higher expectations for the second one. And probably and still a good movie, but just didn't quite live up to maybe what those heightened expectations oh, yeah, were. Yeah. So uh, my recommendation, I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but I don't know if I ever did this for my uh, recommendation for a well-rounded life. Uh, but if I did, and I duplicate it, so be it. <laughs> Josh, I did something today that I... I have never done well until today. And today, outside here, Josh, it was in the low 70s. Nice. Light, breezy day. Mostly sunny. It's beautiful out. So, Josh, I went outside for probably a solid hour and flew a kite. Really? And it was amazing. It was so amazing. Wow. Yeah. So, probably a month ago, six weeks ago, my partner ordered kites on Amazon because she's like, we're going to fly some kites. And I was like, <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, and like, I mean, I was like, that's cool and sweet that you want to do this thing together. I, when I was a kid, had had many opportunities and attempts at flying a kite and it never, ever yeah. went well. Like I always, but today's weather it was beautiful out. I, like I, I know I mentioned before that like I live right behind a soccer field, like a whole soccer complex and they had removed all the goals earlier today. So like clearly the soccer season is done. <laughs> Everything was freshly mowed and ready to go. So we're like, you know what? We're going to go fly these kites. And Josh, it was spectacular. Like, I literally had, like, my little kite handle thing. So I had, like, maybe four or five winds of rope left on, of string left on it. Like, the whole string was out. Like, that thing was up there. <laughs> it was way up there. Uh, and it was amazing. It was so much fun. It was just chill and relaxing. And I was sitting there watching this kite. And it was just great. Like, it's been, like, work and everything has been super stressful lately. And it was really nice just to be like, hey, I'm going to go fly this thing and just hang out. And it was awesome. So, if it's not kite flying, that's cool. But just find something you can do to help just kind of chill. And whether you want to think of it as, like, zoning out or meditating or just giving yourself that time to decompress from everything um for me it was kite flying it was great like i want to go do it tomorrow again like i thought i had so much fun with it um so a fly a kite but if you're not really into that or you don't have a place you can do that something that can help you decompress um i think is super important so check it out 
Josh, hey, what do you say we wrap this show up? That's a great idea. I think everyone should go fly a kite also. And if you don't want to go fly a kite, you can go fly a kite. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with VG, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with VG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwith3g at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag boardwith3g, so please use that hashtag as well on all your social media posts. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the Dice Tower Network feed or our very own standalone Board With Video Games feed. Instead of my plugs, I would like to say we are about to hit a milestone for Board of the Video Games. That is episode 200 coming up in just five short weeks. So if you guys have any thoughts, suggestions, things you'd like to see us do for that show, please uh, email us or tweet us. Let us know. Um, Kyle and I have been kind of like figuring out uh, what we want to do. Um, I started thinking about maybe we should try to do our first live show potentially and do user uh like people like chatting via twitch and things but we would actually have people to have people show up for that so i don't (laughs) necessarily want to hinge a whole episode on that so we'll see kyle and i will be talking about that in the coming weeks but let us know if you'd like to see something or participate, or whatever. So you can Kyle, find me where on all the usual find? places. Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media, because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. Like episode 200, let us know what you want to see. And remember everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.